Good morning, church. Are we in good form? So am I. Oh, thank you. Okay. Now, I have a confession. I sometimes preach for a while. Um, my record at the moment is 62 minutes, I think. Um, I'm sure you noticed when I did it. Uh, so usually I go for about 40, 45. I want to try and finish within half an hour today. Amen. Um, so I definitely received that prayer. Thank you, Steve. I really need the Lord this morning. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've got this thing too. Okay. Mind renewal is such a big topic, right? It encompasses all of our Christian walk. So it's, I can only talk about a little bit of it today. This would take you know, many more messages to go through in, w- with more depth. Um, so we're just going to touch on it today and get a little bit of a picture and some pointers on how to, uh, I guess, more easily walk with God. And who here sometimes feels like they're traveling around in those, those circles of, of just something doesn't feel right and, and you want breakthrough, but for some reason it just doesn't quite happen. And then, oh yeah, I'm all good. Today feels really nice. And then the next day it's kind of like, oh, I feel terrible. Or, or sometimes uh, we call them dry periods with God where sometimes we're hearing from God quite a lot and then... For some reason, we're just not, and our fire is not there, and we're just kind of like, mm. does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, let's go. Now, I've been using the, the Passion Translation a little bit. I enjoy it. Most of what we, um, I'm going to be throwing around a lot of scriptures today. Most of it will be from uh, Matthew, because I've been reading through Matthew lately, but I promise there's there's other things. So whenever they're on here, it's the passion. When it, and otherwise, I'm just going to read from here. Okay, Matthew 13, four to five. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. Parents say Amen. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. <laughs> their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and a hard of hearing. And they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. Now, in the book of Mark, it doesn't use the word heal. It uses the word forgive. But in the kingdom of God, they have the same effect on us, don't they? And uh, that last part there in verse 15, opening their eyes to see, hearing with their ears and understanding with their hearts and turning and I would heal them. That's really mind renewal right there. It's, it's sort of a process, but it can look like many different things. So mind renewal is conquering sin with the reality of the cross. Now let's talk about original sin versus indwelling sin for a second. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 7, and I'm just going to read verses 14 to 17. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Bless you. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now if you've ever read Romans, many of you have, you'll notice that the previous few chapters 
Paul's talking about being set free in Christ and being completely free from sin. And now he's talking about sin living in him. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood and he, uh, 1 Peter 2.24 says that he absorbed sin in his body when he died on the tree. And so he died to sin and dragged it down to the grave. And when he rose again, he was able to reconcile us to God. And so our spirit our inner man is completely reconciled to God. Our state is no longer sin. It is no longer death. We are completely set free. Amen. Done deal. Our spirit just needs to grow in maturity. But our mind has trouble comprehending that truth. It tends to get lost in translation because this truth is not naturally discerned, is it? It's spiritually discerned. And so our mind or our soul, whatever you want to call it, has to learn to hear from God and to learn the ways of God. That's what mind renewal looks like. It looks like the, the victory of the cross that is in our spirit coming onto our soul and setting us free from what is called indwelling sin. So our original sin or the nature of sin, what we were born into, is gone. But we've still got problems in here that we deal with, don't we? Now, we call them insecurities, we call them burdens, we call them whatever we want, really. I call them insecurities and burdens, but what they are, let's not beat around the bush. It's sin. It's indwelling sin. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Romans. There is still indwelling sin in my soul that I need to be set free from by Jesus' death and resurrection, which is already in my spirit. I just need it to come out. Am I making sense so far? Okay. Okay, cool. In my walk with God, uh, so I grew up in Griffith, right? I left for a couple of years. I came back. And my first few years of serving in the church were very, very difficult. Because when you begin to uh, walk with the Lord and serve and, and do whatever you think God has asked you to do, some things start to come to the surface and things start to feel very heavy. And uh, I'm a bit of a dense person sometimes. I can be a little bit stubborn. Uh, I particularly have um, appreciation for my Sunday school teachers. But sometimes I have trouble shifting my thinking. And I would say that over the course of my life, I developed a victim mentality where I wouldn't reflect, I wouldn't uh, look at myself, I would blame people around me. I would blame my situations and I would think, woe is me. And I would try to act tough. You know, guys try to act tough a lot, but sometimes we can be huge victims. And if I'm not looking at myself and saying, what needs to change in me, then God can't really work in me to the extent that he wants to because he doesn't have my permission. And it took three years for God to try and get through to me in that sense, hey, you just need to change the way you think. Um, and that was a very long, painful process because I made it painful for myself. Sometimes we make life painful for ourselves and we blame God or we blame people or we blame things around us, but we don't realize something needs to happen inside of us in order for God to begin working in our lives. 
So we need to develop a yes attitude instead of a no attitude because that's what a victim mentality does. It says, no, because I am fine. The, uh, I won't turn there, but you know the parable of the talents, right? It's in Matthew chapter 25 between verses 14 to 30 if you want to go there. Um, the, the master of the, the farm or the vineyard, he was going away, and so he gave one servant five talents, and he gave one two talents, and he gave one one talent, each according to their ability. Now, the one with five talents went away and made five more. The one with two talents went away and made five more. But the one with one talent, he buried it. And when the, the master of the servants came back, these first two guys got rewarded and shared in the inheritance of their master. But the other one said, I knew you to be a hard man, so I was afraid and I hid the money. What a victim mentality does is it misconstrues God's character. It misrepresents what he's really like. And so we, we react out of that misinformation or that we just, we just don't know that about God or we have a different idea of God. And so we, we don't do with what he's given us what we should. There's no reward in that. There's, there's only pain for ourselves. And so the thing I hold on to dearly, my identification in my suffering, it's not going to deliver me, it's going to end up in suffering. Sometimes we trust the wrong thing and we think we're serving God. So if God, first of all, is going to do any mind renewal in us whatsoever, we need to learn to come to the fact that, okay, there might actually be something wrong with me and I may need to change something, even though things are going wrong around me. And even though people may be mistreating me, I am responsible for myself and I am responsible for allowing God to show me what's up and to change me. Does that make sense? Okay. In fact, I just want to touch one more thing on that. I promise I'll be under half an hour. No, I don't. I'll try When we believe ourselves over God, here's uh, one of the ways I got through it. I think it is very good for all of us. It, it was a bit of a tough lesson, but what a victim mentality says ultimately is, God, you're not good because it, like, like it blames God. I might be all right, but God, you're not good. There was one resolution that I made to sort of, kickstart that if it helps anybody here and that was that I would choose to believe the scriptures in spite of how I felt about it because I could not necessarily see God's goodness in my life I could in some ways but I couldn't in ways that I really wanted change and so I started to develop an opinion about God but it disagreed with scripture because the word says that he's good and so I thought, no, I, I don't know what's up. I don't know why I'm thinking this. But God, I want to believe your word over my own experience because experience is very powerful. We believe experience more than we believe theory, don't we? I'll get into that a little bit more later. But if we resolve to believe scripture instead of our own perception of God, then that gives God an opening to begin to shift our thinking. Okay, 
1 John chapter 2. Here's how we can be sure that we've truly come to know God if we keep his commands. Can I get an amen? If someone claims I have come to know God by experience, I didn't italicize that, by the way, yet doesn't keep God's commands, he is a phony and the truth finds no place in him. But the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying I am intimate with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Okay. We need to get beyond the point where God makes us aware of an issue in our lives and actually doing something about it. Part of mind renewal is becoming aware of our problems. If I'm going to deal with something, I need to know that it's there and I need to know what it is to be able to address it. That's only common sense. But sometimes we can be guilty of, we become aware of it, okay, I know it's a problem. But then we don't do anything about it. And then we're just, we just have this heightened sense that we have a burden. And it just makes life harder. If you're going to address a problem, we've got to deal with it as well. Okay, I'm going to go back to Matthew chapter 14. I want to talk about Peter for a little bit. This man intrigues me. Matthew 14. Eighteen to thirty-one. Okay. Now I'll start at twenty-two. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. <laughs> From a practical point of view, Peter probably looked a bit silly, because Walking on the water is one thing, but I mean, Jesus walked all the way to the boat. Most of the disciples were kind of like, well, he's walked all this way. He may as well just get in and then we'll be with him. But Peter wasn't like that. He took his faith into an area that the other disciples did not have. And I don't think it was necessarily that Peter had the faith to get out of the boat because Jesus was doing it was the coolest thing. I think the coolest thing was that Peter would rather be on the water with Jesus than in the boat because he loved Jesus. He just wanted to be with Jesus even if it looked like a really bad situation. 
That's what faith looks like. It doesn't just look like believing in God because he's capable. It looks like wanting to be with God. It has emotion to it. I think it was this kind of faith that really set Peter apart from the other disciples. We read two chapters later, chapter 16, verse 15 to 19, if you want to write it down, where Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say I am? And the disciples started rattling some things off and they were saying, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say this, some say that. And Jesus stopped them and he said, but who do you say I am? And out of all of them, it was Peter that spoke up. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but it was revealed to you by my father in heaven. And then Jesus takes it a step further. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter didn't form an opinion about Jesus, about what people said. It was revealed to him by the Father through the Holy Spirit. It was spiritually discerned. And when he realized that about Jesus and spoke it in front of the others, Jesus gave him something back. See, Peter always thought thought of himself as a bit of a Simon. It was his first name. His name was Simon Peter. Simon means reed. He acted like a bit of a reed sometimes. And Peter means rock. And sometimes he acted like a bit of a rock. When part of Jesus' challenge was to break him free from the reed thinking and get him into the rock thinking, upon this rock I will build my church, he prophesied that into him. And so Peter realizes this about him, but then Jesus makes him realize something about himself. Something really deeply special. And on that rock, Jesus did build his church. Even though he still acted like a reed sometimes. Sometimes we come to Jesus because we're in trouble and we just want him to save us from drowning. You know, when we go to the Bible, I just need answers, Lord. Speak to me, deliver me from my circumstance or this person with their horrible, horrible insults. But when the disciples did that, when Jesus was sleeping in the boat, he said, where's your faith? You woke, man. Yeah, I did it. But why were you so panicky? Let's... Come to Jesus because we know that in him it's all right and that he has victory over every storm. We just gotta we've actually got to enjoy spending time with him. So most of our problems we would probably all agree that they don't come from around us, they come from within us. And when we search for Jesus, when we pursue the truth of Christ and want to spiritually discern his truths and just read the word, pray, spend time with God, God also sets us free from things like he set Peter free of something. 
let's be more interested in Jesus than ourselves. That way Jesus can actually do some work because we're putting ourselves aside and we're not putting ourselves on the throne in our heart that belongs to him. We're not idolizing ourselves. Let's put Jesus where he belongs and, and he can actually reign as a king inside us and do something, yeah? Okay, let's go a few chapters back. Matthew 11. Um, usually we read 28 to 30. We, most of us know that one, but I want to start at verse 27. I think this is one of the verses that we sort of misconstrue a little bit and then think like we don't need to do anything. We just need to come to Jesus and he'll just make everything all right. But living for God and living with God is about partnership. We've got to do things too. The trick is learning not to do it in our own strength. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. All right, Matthew eleven twenty-seven to 30. All these things, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's just focus on verse 27 for a second when he speaks of the Father and those to whom he chooses to reveal the Father. He reveals the Father to people that really want to know about the Father and that really want to be conformed to the image of Christ. People that really pursue Jesus, that actually have a heart, a real King David, a man after my own heart. Now, all the parents in here, Would it be your, perhaps your greatest desire that your children would grow up not just being successful but being amazing people who love God and who do amazing things for people in the name of God? Is that not one of your greatest desires? The Father's the ultimatum of his will is the nature and the character of Christ Jesus and his dispersion of his goodness to other people. And so his will for our lives is to be like Jesus as well. God cares about what you're going through. He cares about your situation. Otherwise, he wouldn't help us. He does. But he cares infinitely more about our character than our circumstance. He cares infinitely more about us becoming like Jesus because when we become like Jesus, we're being freed from indwelling sin and we're taking on Christ, holiness, not just in our spirit but in our souls that we may bring him glory and that also we just may be free and live in freedom and share God's goodness with other people, share Christ with other people, making disciples, That's the Father's will. That's his heart cry for us. Okay, let's look at verse 28 and 29 and 30 for a second. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I used to think that that meant I got to stop working. <laughs> oh, 
the naivety. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you. That destroyed that one. <laughs> and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly or humble in heart, and you will find rest not from your physical bodies, not from your labor, but from your soul. Jesus promises labor. That's picturesque in, in us taking off our burden and putting on his yoke and being partnered with him. He's teaching us to work. But his burden, his yoke is easy. It's light. See, we were made in the image of God. We were made to bear God's burdens. We weren't made to bear the burdens of sin. So work is a given. But the burden needs to change. God's burden is a very, very nice and refreshing, restful burden. In 1 John, John talks about if we love him, we obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. What are his commands? I mean, they're all sort of encompassed in love God, love other people. Love one another as I have loved you. If you do this, you'll fulfill the law. That's pretty good, but that does look like a lot of things, and sometimes it can look a little bit difficult. There was a man, his name was Elvie in Papua New Guinea, and he talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And sometimes you had security at like, you know, in the middle of the night for a couple of hours. And it's your time to spend with God and walk around the school and pray and because it's a hectic day, it's a hectic schedule. And he would talk and talk and talk and talk and, and he did it for weeks to me. Because he was partnered with me. And one day I had to be like, Elvie, shut up. I love you. Be quiet. But I was cleaning the toilets with him one day. And, and one of the toilets was really bad. And he's just like, I'll take it. And, and he was singing away. He was singing this song called Lord of All Grace that they sing in Papua New Guinea. And he was singing at the top of his lungs while he was cleaning poo. And he loved it. And it changed me. And I admired that man from then on so much. I oh, had to really get rid of my opinion of him. <laughs> you know, another way of saying taking on Jesus' yoke is from John chapter 15, abide in me for apart from me you can do nothing. We can do things apart from Jesus, but we can't get anything right, even if we think we're getting them right. Because if we're not... If we're not centered in Christ, then we're centered in ourselves, which is pride, which is what gives indwelling sin the legal right to stay in your soul, even though your spirit has been set free. <clears throat> A legal counterfeit, so to speak. But then, see, what I used to do because of my victim mentality, I would come to Christ and I would be in his presence because the presence of well, his peace surpasses all understanding. And yay, I'm at peace now. But then when I walk out of his presence, I'm, I'm feeling it again. And I would try to take on his yoke and learn from him. But I would not want to learn from him because I didn't like doing anything. And I would just sit there and Jesus is trying to move forward. And, and you know, that yoke is it, pulling on my neck and it, it hurts. If we come to Jesus and then do nothing with our faith and don't be obedient, it still hurts. Our faith has to have legs. Amen. So I think one of the things we struggle with the most is, how do I know if I'm working from a position of works or law to, uh, as opposed to a, a, a position of grace? 
How do I know where I'm standing? Please turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And we're just going to look up the same verses. If you remember, you can go straight there. (laughs) Actually, it's on here. (laughs) Oh, but I'm starting at verse 14. For love is supreme. Amen. And must flow through each of these virtues, the ones that Pastor Steve spoke about this morning. Love becomes the mark of true maturity, not knowledge. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of his one body and always be thankful. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. When we're working or when we're serving the Lord or when we're doing anything really, You recognize sin and righteousness by its fruit. You tell a tree by its fruit, if it bears fruit, or you just tell a tree by the way it looks. But for some reason, we think that ministry's got to be hard. And, oh, I'm laying my life down. It doesn't matter how I feel. Yeah, it does. God doesn't want you to serve him and not enjoy it. You're allowed to enjoy working with the Lord. There's nothing better than that. So two people can be doing the same two things, right? And, okay, I'm, I'm going to use my fingers. This one is called Mr. Works, and this one is called Mr. Grace. Now, they both go and do the same thing, whether it be enrolling in a, uh, in a ministry, volunteering for a ministry, or whether it be going to preach the gospel, or whether it be going to cook a barbecue down at the skate park, or whatever. They both go and do the same thing. <clears throat> but Mr. Works says, I need to do this. Um, he might have a few different reasons for doing it. He might feel like he needs to earn God's love or approval. He might feel like he's working from the outside of God's grace to try and get into it by means of attainment. Or he might be doing it for what he believes is a genuinely good reason. It's good to serve the Lord because scripture says so. Wow, that's true. That's a biblical truth. But the more he begins doing it, the more he begins to feel uncomfortable or upset, or this is a little bit heavy or it's, it's playing with my emotions, or, or I'm doing this and these other people aren't doing much and this is all me, or, or for some reason his opinion is going down a bit of a dark path, or, or he does it with a bit of a grudging heart, or he feels like he has to do it. That's a fruit that there's a pride issue there, or an indwelling sin, or an insecurity that we need to go, okay, you need to go. Our emotions can be a fruit of sin because emotions are what we feel. So we feel it and we go, whoa, that's not right. Okay. Now, Mr. Grace might also do it for the same reasons. 
Well, actually, let me stick to Mr. Works for a second. Mr. Works will persist in this thinking, and he'll say, God, fix these people, or he'll say, God, I don't want to do this, or God, what are you doing to me? He'll play the blame game. But Mr. Grace might, because he's not perfect either, he'll go into it and he'll do it, and he'll start to feel uncomfortable about something, and he'll go, oh, this is upsetting me in some way, this or that, or you know, something, anything can happen. And then he'll say, why do I feel like this? And he'll begin to get reflective. We need to learn the art of reflection. You can't, don't say I can't do it. You can. God gave us all a brain and a personality and he, you ask for wisdom, he gives it to you. We all can reflect. We all have that ability. Let's not be afraid to do it. And if you don't, think you're getting it very well straight away, that, that's okay. You can practice. So we get reflective and we think, okay, let's take this to prayer. God, where's this coming from? What's, what's going on here? Why am I feeling like this? And the first thing that comes to your mind may really make you angry. God may say something simple like, you're, being frust- you're frustrated. <laughs> I know I'm frustrated. Thank you. Captain Obvious. (laughs) Sorry, I'm thinking of every counsellor. It's okay to admit you're mad. I'm not mad. I'm just getting mad because you're saying I'm mad. Sorry, that's off the movie. (laughs) But then we go, okay, take that a step further. Ask God questions. He will give you answers. Wait on him. Why, Why am I? Okay, I'm feeling frustrated. Why am I feeling frustrated? You know, and God will begin to lead you down that path. Now might be a good time to go to Scripture. Okay, God, I recognize why I'm upset. Uh, what does your word say about it? Um, you know, because you've got you to combat it. The victory of the cross has to kung fu that indwelling sin out of you. So Scripture is a good place to go. Or another way to, to be aware of it is to go and see someone who's wise in the Lord. There's no sort of step-by-step formula. These are, I'm just trying to provide a general path for us all to learn to walk on. And um, Okay, so what does Scripture say about it? Go to the Word. Pray, Jesus, I need to know you, just like Peter did. Don't just sort me out. I want to know you because I know that knowing you will sort me out anyway. Look for Jesus. Don't just look for an answer to your sin. I've got to finish up soon. So whenever we start, I mean, we've all got things to work out in us, right? Whenever we start doing anything, we, we may feel something. So, you know, there, there might be an indwelling sin there to, to deal with. And it will begin to feel heavy in our emotions. So we come to Jesus practice reflection, we hand over our burden. See, remember that verse at the start? It said, see with your eyes, hear with your ears. So that means recognize what's going wrong. Listen to God on the matter. Understand and reason. Okay, this is right. But then it says, and turn and I would heal you. When you get a revelation from Scripture, uh, 
it's like you're getting a taste of God's goodness. And sometimes you will even feel yourself get set free in that moment. And all the tears come and you, thank you, Lord. But it won't always happen like that. And it shouldn't always happen like that. Otherwise, you'll look for the experience instead of God. And you'll start to control your own mind renewal and you'll take it out of God's hands and it'll become a formula to you. But God will show you what's going on there. But then there's the onus on you to go and obey that word and turn and I would heal you. That's repentance. Lord, I recognize this and I am sorry for this this insecurity, this indwelling sin, this pride. Humble me right now and teach me your ways and let's do this from now on. And when you change that in your actions, so repentance means a change in action as well, you're no longer walking on that path of death in that sense or or in that manner or concerning whatever that situation is. And so because you're now walking on a path of life, God is able and has the permission to heal you. And so... The cross, the truth of the cross is overcoming indwelling sin in you. And that is, that's what the renewal of the mind looks like. Being constantly shaped into the image of Christ. So we must pray for humility all the time because pride gets in the way. And be passionate for Jesus. Because then your walk will come alive and it will be more than biblical principles. I might ask the band to come up. And we're going to pray. Lord, we thank you for going to the cross and dying in our place. And we thank you for reconciling us with you and that you live inside us and that we are completely set free from all sin. Lord, would you teach us to listen to you and to be reflective? And Lord, where we have said no to you and we've blamed you, we are sorry. Where we have blamed other people and blamed the things around us and have not believed your word, we are sorry. Humble us, God. Help us to listen and to look at ourselves. Teach us to be victims, not... Sorry, God. Teach us not to be victims. Teach us to be victors. May we go from strength to strength and glory to glory and not in circles of sin. Jesus, help us to love you and to walk as Christ walked. Help us to be obedient with our faith. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.